is a real joy to be here with you guys today. And I just wanted to begin by um, just commending Ruth and Nath to you. It was, it was painful when they left Cardiff. We love them really dearly, and they are amazing leaders. And I guess it's, it's not easy leading a church, and I would just love to encourage you guys to be praying for them regularly, to be encouraging them regularly, but also to get involved and get stuck in. Like the, the way that you will feel like family here in this church is by being involved, joining a team, joining a small group, investing in all the ways that they spoke about in the break. So just wanted to um, honor them before you. Like We think they are amazing and are so glad that they have come down to start this community. And it's amazing to be with you guys today. To hear you, you sing like the Welsh. It's amazing. It was so great just hearing you roar it out. So it was wonderful. We had a great time with the worship team last night as well. Those guys are amazing. So it is a joy to be here. Um, I believe over the last couple of months, you have been looking at kingdom identity, kingdom compassion, uh, and that Nathan has taught on the kingdom of God uh, and the now and the not yet, the mystery, the tension, that sometimes we see the kingdom of God break in in power and sometimes we don't. Uh, if you haven't heard any of those, they are on the podcast. I'm reliably informed. Uh, and we really encourage you to go back and listen to them. They will set some of the groundwork and the framework for what we're talking about today. But in case this is your first time or you've missed um, those, let me just sum up the kingdom of God in a sentence or two. So the kingdom of God is what things would be like if God's will was done, where what God wants to happen, happens. You know, when we pray your kingdom come in that famous prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, what we're saying is that we want this situation to be like God if you were in charge, if what you wanted to happen happened in this moment. And what we say about the kingdom of God is that that is what's happening. So we say when the kingdom of God is here is when God's will is being done in that place. And the now and the not yet is that tension that we live in this space where sometimes we see God's power break in and we see people healed, we see people set free, we see communities restored, but also sometimes we don't and that we have to wait until Jesus returns when we'll see the, the consummation of the kingdom. So those are those two things. Um, like I said, go back and listen uh, to the other podcasts if you want to hear a bit more on those. But today we are talking about the authority of the kingdom. Uh, and let me begin. I have here in my pocket if I can get it out, a shiny £10 note. This £10 note is free to anyone in this room, no strings attached, other than the only thing you can spend this on is something fun. And say, anyone in this room can come down and grab this £10 note. (laughs) Pete Amos, there you go, well done. No strings attached, go spend that on something fun. A pint's that cheap in in Falmouth. (laughs) Um, So what just happened there? You all had the authority to take that £10 note, but only Pete stepped up and gets to use it now. Now some of us, I imagine in the room, were just like, what are you doing? Crazy man from Wales. Skeptical, like, is there a catch here? Even though I said there was no strings attached. It's like, do do I really trust what he's saying? Others of us might have been in the room and being like, oh, you weren't talking about me. Maybe it's my first few times here in church. That's not me. I can't go down. That doesn't account for me. Some of us might not have wanted to be embarrassed standing up in front of a room full of people. Some of us would have been thinking about a pasty on the beach and are probably now going to stay a bit more focused in case I get another tenor out. I can't guarantee it, but it might happen. It won't. I only got one tenor out. But because Pete trusted that what I said was true, that he did have the authority to take that £10 note, that he was willing to suffer maybe a moment's awkwardness or embarrassment, He now gets to enjoy the use of the £10. Why do I start like that? Because so often, we do not step into the authority that is rightfully ours. 
One of the key uh, values of kingdom theology is that everyone gets to play. And that simple phrase means that everyone who is a follower of Jesus gets to do the stuff Jesus did. Pray for people, heal the sick, care for the poor, show mercy, fight injustice, create culture, welcome the outsider, have dinner with disreputable people. I did that last night. (laughs) It's a joke, it's a joke. But our model of church is not one where the senior pastors do everything and that Nathan and Ruth do it and that, we, that you guys just come and consume. That is not how we build church in the vineyard. Alan Scott, who's a vineyard pastor, puts it brilliantly when he says it like this. We all have the same authority as the church. We don't all have the same authority in the church, but the street cleaner has the same authority as the senior pastor as the church. As the church, we all, all of us sat in this room, get to partner with God in his mission in seeing Falmouth and Cornwall restored. We all get to do that. Now, growing up, I didn't really grasp that I had been offered a 10-pound note. I didn't really grasp that God was saying to me, hey, I'm offering you some authority. Would you go and do it? And to be honest, even if I had grasped that, I don't know if I'd have really known what to do with it. What am I saying? See, I knew and loved Jesus deeply, And I was really committed to living, well, a fairly moral life, let's be real, I was a teenager. Uh, But I hadn't really grasped that God had given humanity the authority to bring about the kingdom of God. It wasn't language I would have used, it wasn't a theology I understood, it wasn't a practice that I lived out. I didn't realize he had given me the authority to do the stuff that he did. But at the heart of the Christian faith is that God has given us authority. And God has taken me on a journey of discovering the authority he's given me and given all of us in this room. And that journey begins at the beginning. So if you have a Bible, open it up. We're going to start in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. If you've got phone, open it up. Like they said, if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, please grab one at the end. Take them. If you've got friends who would read them, take them, give them to them. Um, I don't think the verses are going to come up. I say, I don't think, I know they're not because I didn't give you them. So um, if they do, that would be a miracle. But we're going to start in Genesis 1, Uh, and we're going to read the story that many of us will know of God creating the world. And I just want to give a very quick caveat. I know there are likely to be a range of opinions of how we should interpret Genesis, right from uh, the, you know, kind of people who would say it's an actual account of how the world was physically created, right through to people who would say it's not a story about how, but about why, right through to we shouldn't listen to it at all. And you know what? What I want to say today, I wrote a lot on science and faith and Genesis and creation and evolution and that kind of stuff at uni, and I love that stuff, and it's not the time now to get into it. If you want to talk about it another time, I'd love to. But wherever you land on this spectrum of interpreting, uh, interpreting sorry, uh, Genesis, I ask that today we would come humbly, knowing that it's scripture, that it does have something to say to us, and that we would maybe learn that its message is more subversive and stunning than we ever realized. So let's jump in. We're going to just read verses 26 to 28. So Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now the danger is, when we come to a passage like this, 
that we, many of us will know, we can read it quickly and we go, yeah, we're created in God's image, that's amazing, that makes me feel valuable, that makes me feel lovely, that's lovely. But we miss what's said in the rest of the verses. From the beginning of our creation, this is the creation account, when we were first made as humanity, God had, us, had made us with the intention of ruling over his creation. Some translations of this passage use the phrase, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish and etc. Rule, reign, govern, subdue, bring into order. This is language of great authority. Now this um, passage is what some theologians call the cultural mandate. Uh, and now when this was written, this was written at a time that there were lots of uh, different worldviews about creation. Uh, and, and many of them, one of them, uh, one of the more prominent ones was a Babylonian story called Enuma Elish and about this god Marduk. And what it was saying is that uh, the gods were too great to do work. Work was beneath them. And so humanity was created to be slave labor and make the, the gods' lives easy, just to come in and do the, the grunt work. But you see, the Genesis account of creation is so different. Because first it says that God put in a whole bunch of work to create the world. So work isn't beneath him, but is actually a good thing. And then it says humanity is not made as, as cheap slave labor, but is made in his image, in his likeness, to join him in doing his work. This is massive. He's saying we're created in the image of God, in his likeness, to do his work. And, and it's called the cultural mandate because at the heart of it is this command to go and create culture, to rule, to reign, to govern, to create culture, to, to re release life into what we do. So from the beginning, God entrusted great authority to humanity. He trusted humanity with the task of ruling over his creation. Now that's all well and good. And that's quite, those are quite grand things to say. And, and in reality, they're phrases, and we're talking about bringing life. And actually, as we take a step back, you know, whatever we think about whether that's true about us, it doesn't take long to look at our country and our county, Cornwall, uh, to see that the world needs us to bring life to it. Let me just throw out a couple of stats. There's a loneliness epidemic sweeping across our whole country. So much so that um, the ex-Prime Minister, now Theresa May, back in early 18, appointed a Minister for Loneliness. Many of you will remember that happening. Last autumn, a BBC study of 55,000 people found that 40% of people between 16 and 24 either felt lonely or very lonely, more than any other age range. Though that was the most, um, the and the figure is lower in older generations, it is still just shy of one in three people over 75 reported feeling lonely most of the time. What about mental health? Year on year, there have been rises in mental health issues across our nation, both in young people and old people. Professor Dame Sue Bailey, who is the former president of the Royal College of Psychiatrists, said this, the UK should brace itself for a tsunami of adults with mental health problems unless urgent action is taken to help today's young people. Anxiety in people in full-time employment, this is not part-time employment or unemployment, but full-time employment in the UK has risen by over 30% in the last four years. What about living conditions? I spent some time reading up about the situation here in Cornwall. I read an article from May this year published by Cornwall Live that said, uh, it was a re kind of quoting a recent study from REACH PLC that found that 90% of Cornwall's neighbourhoods are more deprived than the rest of the UK in terms of living conditions and quality of housing. 
And last year, in another article also on Cornwall Live, Eurostat released a study that found that Cornwall was the second poorest region in Northern Europe. This is on your doorstep. This is your community. It needs you to bring life to it. And I know that it can feel daunting as we talk about that. And actually, many of you will know people who are feeling lonely. And some of you might be people here today who are like, actually, I'm the one who struggles with anxiety. I'm the one who struggles with loneliness. But Cornwall, your friends, your family, they need you to realize the authority that you have to release life, the authority you have to create culture. Now, as I said a moment ago, these are all grand statements. And I'm aware that as I'm talking about us about this, many of us might be like, well, that's a nice idea. That sounds great, but actually, I can barely get the kids to school in the morning. How am I supposed to bring order out of the chaos in this world? I feel under the weight of depression. How am I supposed to bring life to my neighbor? Maybe I'm too messed up, I'm too broken. Too, you didn't see what I did last night. How could God ever trust me? He's saying he's entrusted me, I don't think he trusts me. And those are good questions, and they highlight one of the mysteries of our faith, that God, even though we have a humongously good track record of messing things up as humanity, God in his kindness chooses to do it with us. And in his sovereignty, he could do it without us, but in his kindness, he chooses to do it with us. And at the heart of it, it's that it's actually not about you. It's about the cross of Jesus Christ making us sufficient, that because God decided to come down and into human flesh and die on a cross to take away the punishment of our sins so we could enter freely into a relationship with him, that we are able here today to partner with him. And so it's actually not about your perfection or lack of it, your gifting or lack of it. It's about the invitation from a good, good father that we sang about to come and partner with him. We were made to be rulers, to be culture creators. So this means that you have the authority to bring about the kingdom of God, whether you are working a minimum wage job or you are a CEO, whether you are here and you make coffee or you are unemployed. Some would say it's the same thing. Not me. Love coffee. Whether you are a full-time parent or a carer or whether you work in banking, whether you have no idea what you're going to do with your life or you've got it all mapped out, we have all been given the same authority by God to create culture. Now look, it can feel a bit brash to talk about this stuff. Some of you might be like, even it sounds a bit arrogant. And it's not very British. We love to be self-deprecating, don't we? And we might be sitting here feeling quite uncomfortable that saying these things. But we need to realign our thinking with what the Bible says about us and not what British culture says about us. In Psalm 8, verse 6, when David was reflecting on humanity, he says this in no uncertain terms. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. He's saying that about humanity. And as the church here in Falmouth as the community of believers and followers of Jesus gathered in this location, you have the privilege and the amazing opportunity with partnering with God to see this community restored. So what does this mean for you? Sat in this room, for me, as we leave this place, how are we not just going to let this be a talk that we turn up to on Sunday morning, someone makes a tenor from, and we go home and forget about it? How are we going to partner with God this afternoon, maybe when we're on the beach, because I hear that's what you all do, you all go to the beach after church, which is the best thing in the world. How are you going to partner with God there? How are you going to do it tomorrow morning? If the kingdom of God is wherever God's will is done, then our job is to align our lives with his will. 
And we can start um, doing that with just whoever is in front of us. Now, you might not feel called to end, say, the whole loneliness epidemic, but that might feel daunting. But you could end the loneliness epidemic in your colleague's life, or your neighbor's life, or your sister's life. Just, Just start with the one, whoever's in front of you. Aligning ourselves with God's will can look like a whole bunch of different things. Caring for the poor, fighting injustice, looking after the environment, creating beautiful art, running godly businesses. But it's also partnering with God in his power. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 to 5. 1 Corinthians is a letter in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth. And Paul says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. And then a a couple of chapters later, in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. We are talking about a powerful kingdom. But power to do what? Let's flick to Matthew 10. Sorry, we're jumping around quite a lot today. Matthew is a gospel, which is one of the accounts of Jesus' life, found right at the start of the New Testament. And in Matthew 10, verse 1, and then verse 7 and 8, it says this. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. As you go, verse 7, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have give, received, freely give. We have been given the authority to partner with the power of God, to pray for people and to see them get better, to cast out demons. And, you know, I don't know where you guys are at. Some of you might be new to experiencing the power of God and realizing these things happen, but they do. So what is it for you? What is God inviting you to partner with him in? What is he inviting you to step out in authority in? Um, God has taken me on a journey, as I said. You know, I've been learning about this, of what it looks like to step out in authority over the last few years. And one of the ways is that I try to, um, whenever someone tells me that they're sick, whether they're Christian or not Christian, I try to offer to pray for them in that moment. Um, now, do I sometimes forget to do it? Yes. Do I sometimes bottle it? Yes. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had an amazing opportunity. A friend's uh, brother, a uh, boyfriend, sorry, came round. And he'd injured his neck and he was telling me about it. And we had actually just finished small group as well. So it's like, we're in a super holy moment. Everyone else is Christian. And I was just like, oh, I felt this prompting to pray for him. And I just bottled it. Because I was like, oh, I really don't know how you're going to take it. So do I sometimes bottle it? Yes, absolutely. And when I pray for people, do they always get healed? No. Do they even always say yes to prayer? No. But you know what is really fun? As I have been learning to spend the £10 note of the authority to see people healed, I have seen people healed. I have prayed for people and they have got better in front of my eyes because the power of God has fallen on them and healed them. And that's pretty cool. Um, You might have heard the phrase, be naturally supernatural. That we're supposed to kind of, in our everyday, just engage in this sort of supernatural activity naturally. Uh, I like actually calling it awkwardly supernatural. Because, you know when you offer to pray for a Christian, right? And they just go, yeah, can I pray for you? They're like, yes. And then they just assume the position. And they're like, "Mm, I'm ready, Lord. When you offer to pray for a non-Christian, what they tend to do is this. 
And it's like, oh, so we're going to make eye contact here. Okay. Uh, and it's awkward. It is. And you know what? It is sometimes a bit embarrassing. But I'm willing to risk a moment of embarrassment and a moment's awkwardness and a moment's eye contact to see someone's life changed, to see them come to meet Jesus. So what does it look like for you to carry this kingdom, to bring life to those around you? Is it offering to pray for them? Is it blessing their business? Is it speaking words of life and hope into broken situations? Is it befriending the lonely? Is it training to become a counselor and supporting those who are struggling? Is it to start your own business? What is it for you? As I close, let me share a couple of stories um, from back home in Cardiff just to show you about um, how we can do this. Now, we in Cardiff um, are a community of exceedingly ordinary people. We are very, very average. So this is not like we're not superstars who know how to do this. We are folk just like you guys. Um, you're a bit better. Let me share. So Andrea. Andrea is just a lady in our church. Uh, she's been part of our, our church for a few years now. Um, she invited her friend Ellie to an Alpha course. If you guys don't know what an Alpha is, it's a sort of eight to ten week course exploring the Christian faith, looking at loads of the basics of, of Christianity. Um, and they were going along to it together, and her friend couldn't make uh, the week, one of the weeks, and it was on how can I have faith personally. Uh, so Andrea was like, you know what, I actually would still love to go through this with you. Uh, so they went around, hung out at a different point, and Andrea almost did like a one-on-one -on -one version of the session. And at the end, was just like, what do you think? And her friend was like, I think I'd like to have faith in Jesus. Can I accept him as my Lord and Savior? And so Andrea got to pray for her friend in her living room as she gave her life to Jesus. And then she's been coming along to church and getting involved. That is amazing. Not a lot of excitement in the room, but it is amazing. <laughs> there we go. Um, another one. So Pete, uh, he was helping his friend Alan, they're both part of our church, move into a new house. And whilst Alan was packing up, Pete went uh, to pick up some furniture um, from another place in the city from this guy called Mark. Uh, and Mark, uh, as Pete picked it up, you know, Mark was on crutches and uh, on strong painkillers for his back. Uh, and just as Pete was leaving, and he, when he sort of shared this, you know, he said he almost forgot to do it. And then he kind of realized as he was leaving, he was like, oh, I should probably offer to pray for you, like you're on crutches. So he found out that um, he's been on strong painkillers for his back. Uh, and as they offered to pray for him, uh, he seemed reluctant at first, but then he let them pray. And then as they prayed, he began to sway, uh, and he said he felt dizzy. So they got him a chair, sat him down, and he was like, I feel dizzy, but it's a really good dizzy. Uh, and uh, sat down, and they prayed for him, and they just blessed what Jesus was doing. Um, and he said afterwards, he was like, he just had this big smile on his face, and was just like, I feel this amazing peace. Uh, and they said, that they, they've been chatting to him about God and who the Holy Spirit is, and Jesus, and they said, hey, would you like to accept Jesus into your life? And he, re he recommitted his life. He hadn't been in church for 20 years. And in that moment, he was like, yes, okay, I'm in, I'm coming back. And then he's been coming to church. And, and uh, Mark then texts Pete the next day, and he said this, Morning, Pete, after your prayer yesterday morning, I spent the rest of the day on cloud nine. For the first time in a very long time, I slept all night without discomfort or very little pain. You are truly blessed, Pete, and I prayed last night for the first time in years, and I feel better for it. See you on Sunday morning. Bless you. That's cool. That was just, Pete, in an ordinary moment, picking up some furniture, seeing a guy in need and just being like, oh, maybe I could offer to pray for you. Those are stories of people just like you, just like me, doing this stuff in their community. We are not a movement. 
where it is the senior pastors who do it and we just watch. Everyone gets to play, gets to do this stuff. And so my challenge to you, my question to you, would be like, what does it look like to step out in the authority that God has given you this week? What does it look like to bring life to the community around you? Why don't we stand? So we're going to have a time of ministry now. Um, if you're new to the church or um, have never experienced this before, what happens is we just give some space uh, for the Holy Spirit to speak to us individually, to respond and to pray for each other. Um, so, yes, yeah, so if, if you guys would like to stand, if you're able. Um, uh, Helen is going to join me. Helen's come down from Cardiff as well. So what we're going to do is we're just going to invite the Spirit of God. Um, so people sometimes find it helpful to close their eyes, to put out their hands like they're going to receive a gift. You don't need to do that. Just sometimes it's a helpful um, way of indicating, you know, our physical posture sometimes reflects the posture of our hearts. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this moment. Just pray that you would come and speak to the people in the room. That the Lord wants to bring a refreshment this morning, um, whether that's a refreshment of um, a reminder of who he says that he is and who we are under that, um, or whether it's just the beginning of the summer and things are coming. So um, yeah, Holy Spirit, we just welcome that this morning. We welcome your refreshment. Would you pour out your living water that we would drink deep this morning? That the places of our hearts and our souls that are dry and dusty, would you come and refresh us? Would you come and re-inspire us? So we'd love to give a little bit of space. If you would like to respond to um, what Helen just said or anything that was talked about this morning, I think especially around a couple of things of um, being filled with the courage to go do this. Um, maybe it's being filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time in order to be empowered to do this. We would love to pray for you. Um, I think you guys, sometimes it can be easy to come down to the front, so we'd love to invite you to do that, or you can just grab someone near you um, if you'd like prayer. The other thing that I'd love to extend an invite um, if you're here and you're, you actually haven't said yes to Jesus, maybe you've been exploring faith, maybe this is your first time back in church in a long time, maybe you've never been here before, um, we'd just love to give you the opportunity to say, yes, I, I want to follow Jesus. You don't need to know everything about what it's going to entail. It's just a heart posture to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to I want to learn about you and, and I want to learn about life from you. So if that's you as well, we'd love to invite you to come down to the front and we'll pray for you and then give you some resources and uh, and bless you on that journey. So just in your own time, if you want to either make your way down or grab someone next to you, just to encourage you, we've still got a good few minutes just to not check out in this time.